Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. Saturday morning cartoons were awesome. From the 1960s through the 1990s, we kicked off each weekend in a frenzy of animation that is unmatched today. But were these shows actually any good? Join us as we dig into the history of your favorite and not so favorite Saturday morning cartoons, look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of each one, and determine if our nostalgia matches the reality when it comes to these tunes. So stay in your PJs, grab a bowl of cereal, and settle in. I'm John. And I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. So John. Yeah, Robert. If you could transform into any vehicle, what would you transform into? I would love to be an airplane. I've always wanted to fly. When John Sutter was a little kid, he was going to be a fighter pilot. In fact, one of my most vivid dreams as a child that I still remember, I was playing baseball in the neighborhood, and I put my arms behind my back and to make like wings, and I flew away. <laughs> So I don't know if it was Transformers were in my head that day or what, but I became an airplane and I flew away, and I would love to do that. Nice. I would love to do that too, but if I was – think about this, and if I was going to transform into a vehicle, I would actually transform into a roller coaster car. Not overly convenient or uh, <laughs> wouldn't get me anywhere, but it would be fun to just go on a track and go as long as you want and like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. I'll take a break, transform, walk away, and then I should sure. come back and make sure nobody sits in me. I don't get vomited in. I'm just gonna, <laughs> you could veg out. Yeah. You know, the track's doing all the work. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> just kind of just for pure enjoyment. Just now, like would a, you I, – I think I know what your favorite roller coaster ride is. Um, but would you choose different rides or would you be the same car on that? If I could choose different, I would. But I, yeah. if I was stuck with one, I would be riding uh, Expedition Everest down in the Animal Kingdom at yeah. Disney World all the time. Haunted Mansion would be number two. I'm that's not a roller coaster. That's, yeah, that's, that's two. That's, a, that's the slow crawler. I'd yeah. Say. yeah. It would be entertaining. I could sit and do that. Maybe all that's the time. where you go when you want to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those would all be fun, and I think uh, where we get the inspiration for this actually is from our topic today, which is the Transformers More Than Meets the Eye from 1984. And definitely more than meets the eye. Yeah, and there's actually a uh, an interesting history to this. And of course, yeah, we could dig into, I, I know the favorite part of anybody's episode is talking about the FCC, which we did with uh, Rainbow Bright. Yep. But uh, I'm going to... Just tease that, but I'm not going to let anybody enjoy that. They're going to go back and listen to the Rainbow Bright. I'm not going <laughs> to dig back into the FCC again. Either, yeah. Either for uh, to keep people from falling asleep or from uh, <laughs> uh, just just for, yeah. Well, that's the reason this cartoon existed, though. 100%. Yeah. So we'll kind of look at this from Hasbro, the company who created, so the toy company, this all stems from them. So they, uh, they took an existing toy line that they found in Japan and turned it into this kind of behemoth that it is now it's yeah, lasted just, for a very long time sure and continues to, to go strong so yeah. 1980 takara toys in japan launched a line of a line of transforming vehicles and robots that they called the diaclones and it was a line of toys that included these robots that were piloted by miniature figures so like basically the head opened up and there were the body opened up and like a little figure would go inside and then would steer it around and that was actually tied to a a line of toys called Microman. So it was an existing property in Japan, fairly well known there, not really known in the United States. Mm-hmm. And they also had another expansion called the the Micro Change line. That was also Microman. Um, and that would actually, they weren't just robots, they weren't just vehicles, but they transformed into household objects like tape players, cassettes, uh, 
a gun, things yeah. like that. Just a household Every object being a gun. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't going to go there, but <laughs> but not vehicles, not modes well, of transportation, but other other objects. Useful household items. Yes. And so there these two lines exist. Hasbro at the Tokyo Toy Show in 1983 comes across these two lines that for Takara offered. And they look they eyed it and like, you know what? There's something here. This is a really cool thing. We should go ahead. They see the potential and they buy the rights. They buy the rights, the molds. I mean, obviously Takara still owns everything over in Japan, but in the United States to market it, Hasbro's running with it. So there's 28 different figures in the Diaclone line, and then there's some additional ones in the, of the uh, the microchange. And they bring them back, and they're like, all right, we've got these cool toys. What do we do with them? Can't just, <laughs> yeah, but they just throw them out there. They're, they're just toys, and sure. nobody's going to see them. We need to figure out what's the best way to market them. And... You know, there's no storyline exists. Let's create something. Sure. Let's build something that really we'll give them a story for these existing yeah. toys. What are they? Who are they? What do they? What do they do? Yeah. You know, what's what's their backstory? And what I would think is a brilliant stroke, they reach out to Marvel Comics and say, yeah. "Hey, you guys know how to write stories." Yeah. I mean, develop a backstory. Yeah. What, what, who here? Here, this is what they look like. Name them. Give them character, yeah, give them personalities, and give us a story for it. Yeah. And so Marvel editor-in-chief at the time was Jim Shooter, and then Dennis O'Neill also worked at Marvel, both two huge names in the industry, very well-known. Anybody who's a big into comics knows both Shooter and O'Neill. They're well-known, and so they start looking at the story and like, yeah, we can definitely do something with this. And they, they tab Bob Budiansky, one of their writers, and again, a fairly prominent writer at that time, they kind of throw it in his lap like, hey, Bob, do something with this. What what can you do? And so he looks at each one like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm going to give this guy a name. I'm going to give him individual characteristics. Like this guy's, he's, he's kind of tough. We're going to name him Ironhide. Yeah. And this guy, well, he's an ambulance. We'll give him, you know, obviously he's the medic. He can fix everybody up. We'll, we'll kind, of, kind of build it. Some obvious, some not. But, I mean, he goes and thinks everything out. While he's doing that, Hasbro's like, well, okay, so we got these stories coming. We need to make commercials for them. But FCC regulations are open. We can make cartoons and yeah. basically sell those as sell it through yeah. a cartoon. It's a cartoon, but it's going to be a 20-minute commercial. Yeah. And yeah. so they're already working with Marvel on, on the, the storyline. So they team up with Marvel again through their production arm. Also team up with Sunbow Productions. And they create the cartoon series. They tab Toei Animation in Japan to handle all the anim animation. Uh -huh. And so all these companies come together and create a cartoon. Which they put together quite a team. They did. To to make this work. Yeah, I mean, they, they actually brought in some pretty um, substantial writers. Again, they, they relied heavily on Marvel. But they really put some thought and, and some work into this. So on September 17th, 1984, the Transformers cartoon debuts as a three-part miniseries that shared... So it's the origin of the characters, essentially. Yeah. They're from... Origin the, story. Yeah. So they're from the planet Cybertron. You have these two warring factions. They... In the course of their battle, they end up crashing on the planet Earth. And so the series goes from there that they need to find a way back to back to Cybertron, their home planet, yep. and still, you know, win their war. Right. Because they still hate each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so those three episodes run, and then they create an additional 13 episodes to kind of flush out the arc. So right. it's a single narrative running through all 16 initial episodes. And again, it kind of tells the history 
of the establishes the Autobots, the good guys, and the Decepticons, the bad guys, uh, how they came to Earth and basically battled over the planet's resources, the energy resources. So ultimately, yeah. <laughs> it's all about fuel. Right. Yeah. Which is <laughs> ironic, right? Which <laughs> I didn't remember as a, I, I didn't remember as a, you know, oh, as yeah, a kid, you didn't pay attention, but now I'm like, this is all about fuel. Yes. This is... Yeah. And it, it's actually entertaining. Un, unlike uh, right. Star Wars The Last Jedi, which yeah. is all about fuel, but it's not entertaining. No. It's it's <laughs> it's just frustrating. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you look at what was going on in the world, early to mid-80s, you know, Muammar Gaddafi in Libya making threats about cutting off our energy supply. And, oh, God, everyone's worried about energy well let's go drop some bombs on his house <laughs> you know so there was that conflict going on in the world and and it made sense that this story would be you know hey here's a good storyline a believable relatable storyline mm-hmm. that this is all about energy mm-hmm. and how do they get it and how do we we get enough to get what we need to get done done yeah and and it's action-packed there's yes. there's, there's violence there's, there's gun battles, play there's yep. I mean, anything you can think of to like get natural disasters get young boys attention space yeah. yeah i mean it is and giant robots who turn into jets and cars and and spaceships and yeah. weapons and yeah. yeah i mean they're, they're packing a lot in it and they're they're running with it so. race cars everything is in this thing yeah. What, yeah and the amazing point on this like this very unique you think now like transforming robots i mean this has got to be a one-of-its-kind thing no 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 (laughs) so interesting enough when the transformers debuted they were not even the first right transforming robots on the market so tonka and hanna-barbera teamed up with challenge of the gobots which again a transforming robot lines of toys and then they created the cartoon both the toys hit the market first by about four months and then the cartoon hit the airwaves first mm-hmm. by about three weeks. Yeah. They were second. Transformers is behind the gun. Yeah. They know it. They're right. well aware of it. So they start teasing out through ads. They're like, hey, Marvel, can you guys create a quick comic book series or just a mini series just to get the story out? Just to kind of, yep. we want we want this out there before. We want the appetite. We, yeah. We don't want to be, fall too far behind the curve. So Marvel does. They create, they use this backstory that uh, Budiansky created. And they do a four-issue miniseries that's basically the history of Cybertron and yeah. runs parallel to the cartoon. It's not a, a direct Not an exact. Pull yep. Because at that point, the episode's already in production. Yeah. They're just not there yet. And so they can use this four-issue miniseries to, again, promote their upcoming cartoon and toys without really doing it. Because any savvy kid, any comic book reader knows, like, okay... There's not just a comic. They're not doing a mini series about these robots without there's something more, especially when there's Hasbro attached. Yeah. There's something, there's toys coming. Right. There's something coming in. Yeah. So that alone is enough to build the excitement. But it was actually successful enough that they kept going. They did that four issue and then they just like, all right. Marvel's like, well, we sold that all worked. those. <laughs> that worked. Let's keep going. And they, they actually ran with the, the comic book series for quite mm-hmm. a while, fairly dramatically from the cartoon. Yeah, um, but again, and the point for that, they weren't trying to sell the the toys at that point. Marvel's focused on just selling the comics and getting the story right. out there, so that's much more narrative driven. Um, as we'll get into with with the Hasbro, they're much more toy driven. Right, they're just trying to sell the toys. Absolutely. So those first sixteen episodes, smashing success, huge hit. It doesn't matter that the GoBots got their first. The Transformers blew them out of the water. Way better. Yeah, um, much bigger hit. And so Hasbro's all over. Like, yeah, we're doing another series of this. We're we're moving this forward. And at that time, 
We've got 16 episodes under our belt. Season two, let's do 49. Why? Why Why do twice as many? Because in order to hit syndication, you need 65 episodes. <laughs> so 16, what do we need to 16 get to 50? And 40, yeah. 49. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just crank them out. <laughs> Let's and then go. Because, you know, when you're trying to sell toys, the place to be, you want to be Saturday mornings, but you want to be there after school. After they school. get home from school. You've got kids who are just like, you know what? Yep. They're they're vegging out after school. Let's get that in front of them. Give them Every a half day. hour commercial. Yep. Five days a week plus Saturday mornings. Yeah. We're going to sell more toys. Right. Again, marketing wise, strategically, it's, it's just sound yeah it makes a ton of sense well you and i have spent most of our real life careers in marketing (laughs) and we're like this is brilliant yeah this is how it's supposed to work as they go to the second season though they realize okay we don't need to tell these overarching stories because we're just trying to tell we're trying to sell toys we're trying to sell toys so we just need characters yeah so instead of doing an overarching story arc that kind of goes a narrative that runs beginning to end each episode was actually written to be self-contained. So they could air out of order. You didn't didn't matter when they aired. Yeah. And if you watch, they constantly use the characters, everybody's full names yes. at all times. It's, it's like every time them. it's like it's like a, a pseudo introduction. And different episodes would highlight oh, they would spotlight a different character. Yeah. So Wind Charger would get his own episode and then there'd be one on, you know, more than one on Bumblebee. But right. you know, yeah. like every every single Autobot would get his own story, and then they'd introduce different Decepticons at the two to kind of like, okay, if I see Braun all the time, I can go to the store and like, oh yeah, I want Braun. I want Braun. I yeah. want that. I mean, Braun was a cheap one; he was just a little one, but a little know. guy. <laughs> but easy, anybody could get in. But like, but <laughs> but you know, you see Jazz, and you're like, I want Jazz. Yeah, because Jazz a, is cool. Yeah, he's a cool sports car. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he's, he's Scatman Crothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, the focus being all on the toys. Their approach is different than most cartoons. It's all about okay, how do we sell each one of these in a thirty-minute segment? Right. So the cartoon is it's running and, and showing off the characters that they acquired from Tanaka, but Hasbro is also busy developing toys of their own so they've got new models that they want to come out with and so they kind of sprinkle them in here and there but at the end of the second season they've got a whole line of toys and like they're sitting on a ton of them they got to sell them so we got to get all these other ones out of the way right we all don't the need dogs. all these yeah all yeah. these like everybody has these i mean if they don't have them by now they don't really want them right get them out we're putting new ones out yeah and so the time comes to sell some new toys and they Go big. <laughs> big time. <laughs> On August 8th, 1986, Transformers the movie is released in theaters. So this is after season two. Yes. Season two ends. In between two and three, the movie comes out and a generation of kids are thrilled, awed, and traumatized <laughs> all at one, all in one fell swoop. And I was one of those kids. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'm not. We're not really overstating it because this yeah. is, as kids you watch, it was a not big only deal. do you watch these 65 episodes, you're watching them over and over. Oh, they're yeah. rerunning and they're playing over For and over. Sure. So you, Every day. Yeah. And so you're, you're attached to these characters. And during the first 20 minutes of the film, nearly every Transformer from those that original series wiped out. They're dead. They're killed. And they are clearly dead. Clearly dead. Yeah, it was shocked me. You know, even watching it back now, it's like, no one dies in cartoons. But yeah. like in the opening scene, the Decepticons attack the Autobots spaceship and they get on and they say, die, Autobots. <laughs> and they shoot them and their eyes go hollow and yeah. smoke comes out of their eyes and their mouths and... They just killed him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's kind of one of those those things in geek culture where, like, oh, there's no body. Like, yeah. he could still be alive. You can yeah. always bring somebody back. Yeah, no, there were no, bodies. Yeah, there was no way around it. They, yeah. they were they were dead. 
these are kids just watching these like I have this toy and now he's gone. Yeah. And they cap it off with the biggest death they could possibly come up with, and they kill off Optimus Prime, the main, the leader of the Autobots, the Autobot, like yeah. the, the main character of the whole deal. Yeah, I mean, by far the best character that they have, and they they kill him. Yep. And again, it is clear. Yeah, he is dead. It's clear, he's, he's gone. He's not coming back. Yeah. And as critical reception goes, I mean, first off, you have these kids who are traumatized, and then you have critics who are watching it saying. This is terrible. Yeah. This is basically, it's it's a glorified commercial. It is it, it's literally what it was. It was right. a commercial. But it was a reset. They And they didn't actually hide it. No. And if they tried, <laughs> they did it a terrible job. Of course, yeah. <laughs> because it was not well received. Um, it, it took in $5.8 million in the box office compared to the $6 million it took to make it. Yeah. And, and of course, the po- point wasn't for the, mo- the movie, movie to make, to make money. money. It's because we needed some of these toys. I remember uh, thinking when I came out of that movie that that movie was too old for me. Like, these aren't the Autobots that I like. This was like for bigger kids. Yeah. And they, you know, sw- they swear in it. Yeah. And it's just kind of, I mean. And they kill each other and yeah, swear. And it's like, oh, this isn't meant for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember as an adult going back and watching it. I, I remember that, like, I remember that they killed off. A bunch of characters. I didn't remember them killing off almost everybody. Yeah. It was crazy. Literally two Autobots survived. Two. Yeah. Out of that whole initial roster. Bumblebee and Jazz. Yep. And you wouldn't really know it once you get into season three because they're barely there. Yeah. But um, but the the swearing and just like the, the level of violence in it. I'm like, I don't remember this being... Yeah, as it came back to me as it was. Yeah, it came back to me pretty quick. It's <laughs> like, oh my god, I remember. <laughs> so there were, um, yeah, we'll get into the reception of of the, all those traumatized kids and their upset parents in a little bit. But um, it was, uh, it, it made an impression, and yeah. not necessarily the impression that Hasbro was hoping to make. No. Um, of course, then there's those pesky GoBots, yeah, who are still around, still around, and, and they still also, selling toys. They also released a feature film, yeah, before the Transformers movie came out. <laughs> of course, um, <laughs> of course, they they also flopped. I mean, they actually did even worse. They only made a paltry 1.8 million at the box office. But again, yeah. the Transformers, as good as they were, they could never actually one up the GoBots. No, they were better. Always but the GoBots them. were always kind of like, oh, gosh, we got there. At least we did it better. <laughs> Yeah. At least we failed more spectacularly than they did. <laughs> um, so that leads into so this is this is August. A month later, season three kicks off. So September 1986, the mo- it, it literally picks off right where the movie ends. So if you didn't see the movie and you're at home and you're watching season three, like what is this? Where's Optimus Prime? Because it's a whole new show. Yeah. Like we mentioned, only Bumblebee and Jazz. Um, oh, and I take that back. Perceptor was the one other the, the guy who transformed into a microscope. Which you know, oh yeah, the scientist, yeah, yeah. the crowd favorite. Yeah, <laughs> remained. I mean, they were the only remnants from that original cast of Autobots. The War of Cybertron, which the whole first two series uh, seasons were about, it's over. The yeah. Autobots have won. They've definitely won. They are the the regime in power. Yep. And the Decepticons are decimated. I mean, yeah. they are limping along, barely surviving. All the repetition that you kind of saw, you got kind of used to with the first two seasons, the you know, the Earth resources, the the battle to get back to Cybertron, it's gone. Yeah. It's all gone. And instead, it's all about, the, there's a new foil, the Quint, uh, the Quintessons, mm-hmm. who are, they're introduced. So they're kind of like, almost like the third party that nobody gets along with. 
Right. So they can fight with them. And over the next 30 episodes of season three, there's a lot of uneasy alliances. There's space travel galore. There's yeah. some time travel involved. And pretty much every second to third episode, Rodimus Prime, who's a new Autobot leader, questions his uh, value as leader and doubts himself. And sure. Then then, Which gets annoying. Yeah, and then by the end is reassured, and he's like, "Okay, well, I can do this." And then only to to go back on it, you know, two episodes later, right? <laughs> but so it's again, it's a whole new cast, all new settings. It's just it's a different, literally a different series at yeah. this point. Now let's go back to the trauma of the movie because right. so with, and particularly Optimus Prime. So with Optimus Prime gone, outrage through the Transformers, especially the kids community is yeah. at a fever pitch. And of course in that day, you know, if you wanted to, you couldn't go on Twitter and, and, you know, get flex your muscles there. You actually sure. had to take pen to paper, write a letter and like write a letter yep. and, um, write a letter writing letters happened in huge waves. So yeah. Hasbro's flooded by letters right. demanding the return, whether it's from the kids or the parents saying, look, I don't know what you did to my kid. Right. But he's still hiding under the bed. I can't get him out. <laughs> yeah. You killed his favorite toy. <laughs> and it was uh, it was so significant that uh, Hasbro had to do something. Actually, one of the one of the people involved in the production, and I apologize because I don't remember his name. He's actually one of the writers um, at the time pushed back when the whole idea of killing Optimus Prime came out. He was actually saying look we can't do this yeah. this is a bad idea you're gonna to have to bring him back right if you go ahead with this and like no it'll be fine we've got all these, everything we're gonna all these love other these characters. New toys yeah they're gonna love rodimus prime it's all fine yeah and of course you know he's proven right because right. by the end of season three they have to bring the optimus return prime of optimus back. prime yeah, yeah. two episode arc is brought in called the return of optimus prime and he's brought back he saves the universe essentially yeah and he is reinstalled as the leader of the autobots and that's how they close season three yeah and of yeah. course you know if you're going to do it right you bring in a writer who can do a story like that who can reintroduce you know kind of deal with this trauma and move things forward and they brought in marv wolfman the writer from dc comics who created the entire crisis on multiple Earths? Yeah, or Infinite Earths, actually the the original crisis, the crisis on, in, on Infinite Earths, which reset the entire DC Comics universe in 1986. Yeah. I mean, it was He's the industry industry um, shattering. Yeah, and just fantastic. And I mean, he does and he does a great job with these two episodes. It is yep. it, it feels different than the rest of the, of the season three in a good way. Yeah, and it's really well done. Um, it's like a two episode apology. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, he, he, he's back. We promise. Yeah. He really is back. Yep. Um, there is a season four, albeit brief. It's yeah. all of three episodes. Right. And it's kind of just, just basically to again reimagine the story. Yeah. Kind of a rebirth. And not a good one. No. Um, as much as I struggled with season three, season four was kind of a, trying to take things in a new direction. And it, nobody was buying it it, it brought, introduced this whole idea of headmasters kind of going back yeah. to the microman original toys where you have people inside the robots and driving them around in right. this case um, humans or whatever you know humanoid species they were around could climb into the heads of the transformers and they basically form this partnership almost like a uh symbiotic relationship in a way and idea to set up new storylines and um it wouldn't go anywhere not in america they would actually um, start a new it would continue in Japan 
but Japan would look at those three episodes like, yeah, never mind. We're, we'll 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 run with it our own way, and yeah. they re basically reboot it again anyway. So those th- those sure. those three episodes are the most meaningless things in the series because <laughs> it's like, they 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 couldn't sell toys off of it, yeah, and they couldn't really sell a series off of it other than over in Japan, and they just did their own thing anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> Four seasons, but it would actually go on to have a uh, a much longer lifespan than I think anybody would anticipate it. Yeah, so we're talking about so there are animated series that would go on. So after um, after season four ended, there was a hiatus. There's kind of it's quiet, and then Transformers comes back on the air in 1993 through 1995. Um, it's called Gen Two. It's generally known as Generation Two, right, by the fans. But it's it's basically the original series. Just repackaged with a new uh, intro. Yeah. More modern computer animation and kind of cool, but then just the old cartoons. Yeah. They would go more computer all the way through in 1996 with Beast Wars, uh, set within the Transformers uh, continuity, but it's actually they transform into animals. Right. And uh, creatures as opposed to vehicles. Um, It was actually very, very popular. Um, especially now a lot of people like the fans who grew up with that really will go back to that one and kind of point to that being as one of their favorites Yeah, uh, from this whole uh, Transformers line. Um, that ran through 98, 1999, Beast Machines, which was kind of in the same vein, but not well received at all. They kind of made some modifications and nobody liked it. Yeah. And they kind of went, to, they're like, oh, the Beast Wars was popular. Let's build on that. And it just, oh. yeah, one season and it, it went away quickly. Um, but they're quick to come back because in 2001, um, the Robots in Disguise comes in. Now this is actually Japanese anime. Yeah. But uh, in Japan, it was actually called Car Robots. <laughs> cleverly <laughs> called car robots you don't know what you're stepping into with that one but hey uh, renamed obviously robots in disguise um, that ran for a year one uh, the next year was transformers armada then there's energon then there's cybertron transformers animated from 2007 to 2009 um, 2010 prime transformers prime through 13 um, kind of running concurrently there's a transformers rescue bots which is much younger kid oriented. Yep. And then that ran through 16. Robots in Disguise started in 2015 through 17. Then the Cyberverse from 2019 through 2020. And then the one that just, I believe, wrapped up um, through Netflix is the a trilogy series. So, so three different series that all tied together called The War for Cybertron. Part one was Siege. Part two was Earthrise. And part three was Kingdom. So, yeah. so to this day, yeah, this, and that's just the animated series, right? I mean, obviously everybody knows there's live action films, four of them with giant CGI robots. Yeah. With Michael Bay and the big explosions yep. and all the, all the big budget summer yep. blockbusters. So it is, it's not just this toy cartoon anymore. It is, it is much bigger. They're still selling toys. Yes. They're still making money on yep. it, but it's, uh. It, it has really grown legs and really taken off. Yeah, it's its own industry. Absolutely. So this this industry or this Transformers universe has lasted forever, right? Since 84. Since 84. Yeah. Um, and we're sitting in a room with the Transformers Age of Extinction poster on the wall. Still going strong. And it's because they just keep 
pushing out new characters and new characters, new characters, new characters. Um, but actually, at the same time, they've also been... Getting rid of characters. <laughs> but realizing their mistake with the movie and... You know, there are certain characters we need We need to keep Optimus Prime. Yep. You know, there are certain characters that people are connected to. Yeah. So in almost every one of these iterations, and Bumblebee. Optimus Prime and Megatron exist. Bumblebee exists. Yeah. Ironhide. Ironhide exists. Yep. Jazz. Yep. So yep. They, they keep the ones that really people connected with. I mean, some of them are still fodder. Sure. But... But yeah, they, there's yeah. at least they they learn from their mistake and realize that whatever we crank out is not the the correct answer at all times. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know when they're in the cartoon when they were bringing in new characters, they were getting rid of old characters, and then they would bring in whole new lines of characters, not just one character. So they would bring in uh, season one, episode seven. They the Transformers find a dinosaur fossil and decide to build Dinobots. So they build a whole line of, of dinosaurs that turn into robots, complete with very small brains, and they talk <laughs> like they're, you know, typical caveman. They got weird names like Grimlock, Slag, Sludge, Snarl, and Swoop. You know, kids love dinosaurs. They'll like robot dinosaurs, too. Right. Which turns out they were right, because yeah, they, they were a popular line. Um, but they... Introduced Insecticons, who were bugs, um, but they weren't really Autobots or Decepticons. They were kind of their own little faction, yeah. and they would eat everything. They were kind of Decepticons by default because they, you know, they not just tried nice to eat guys. energy. Yeah. yeah, they would eat up all the energy. Yeah. They weren't they weren't nice guys. They continued to do this, releasing whole new lines of toys in these episodes. I I started with Dinobots, Insecticons. They also had. Protectobots, who were the rescue vehicles, Throttlebots, uh, Combaticons, Technobots, Constructicons, Predacons, Primes, Rainmakers, Lithones, Terracons, Horrorcons, Aerialbots, Junkons, Quintessons, um, the Headmasters we talked about, Clones, and Nebulons. And there was even a line of female Autobots, Aerial, Firestar, Greenlight, Lancer, Moonracer, so they're like, hey, we need we need some girls to buy these toys too. So we'll make some girl robots. And they didn't really do anything in the episodes. They, they were just, kind of well, they felt tacked on. Yeah, yeah. and they were. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, they were an um, afterthought. Yeah. yeah, but you know, all these toy lines all had these different characters, and the one thing that they did right was get some really cool voice talent mm -hmm. for all of these characters. There were a few human. Characters, too, in the episodes, the Sparkplug and Spike Witwicky, uh, father and son construction workers that kind of befriend the robots. And they're really the only humans on Earth that, that get involved with this. Um, there was Chip Chase, um, Dr. Arkville, who was an evil scientist, mad scientist. He sided with the Decepticons. Yeah. Um, uh, Carly and Raul, um, Tommy Kennedy, Stan Bush. There were the human characters, and the I didn't realize it until I went back and read the or saw these cartoons. The Witwicky name continued with Sam Witwicky, played by Shia LaBeouf, and is S Witwicky. So there was Sparkplug, Spike, and then Sam, which I thought was a neat tie-in that I didn't realize until I went back and watched these. But the, these voice actors really made a difference for me in this this series. Some of our favorites. Peter Cullen, mm -hmm. Optimus Prime. Oh, Peter, I mean, and if you want to know why kids love 
Optimus Prime so much. It wasn't just because he was a cool toy. It's because Peter Cullen made him awesome. Yeah. Peter Cullen is phenomenal um, as Optimus Prime. And, and I real quick, I always loved the, his story as to where the voice came from. Yeah, um, yeah, this is so, a great... And, and he's told it multiple times, and you can yeah. find it online. Uh, for him, at the time, he was kind of a struggling voice actor, and he lived with his, uh, uh, his brother, who was actually a military man. And the day he had his... He was going to go read for the... Yeah, he's, he's yep. going to read for the, the voice of Optimus Prime. His brother asked him, hey, what do you have going on today? He's like, oh, I'm going to go read for the part of a truck. Yeah. And his brother laughed at it. He's like, yeah, that's kind of the, the right response. And he's <laughs> like, but, uh, you know, just so you know, he's supposed to be a hero. He's supposed to be a leader. And his brother's advice to him is like, well, if that's the case, he's like, don't be like the big Hollywood yell loud. Don't be over the like, top. Be showy. He's like, yeah. a real leader is very, yeah, they're calm in the face calm of danger. Calm and in control. And, yeah. uh kind of gave him that advice and so peter cullen goes into his audition and and he reads and he said as he explains it his brother's voice came out of him it wasn't just him coming out of voice it's just like the way his brother talked his brother's demeanor right came out as his brother i am optimus prime leader yeah. of the autobots and it just and he just nailed it and he said he walked out and he's like he knew he had it he's like that was just i mean yeah, that's a cool story. Yeah, I just sure. love that. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a legendary characters, legendary voice, all just because his, his yeah, brother like, gave him some advice. Yeah, and and so he just used his brother's voice, which right. is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, he was also a, a smattering of other characters: uh, Ironhide, mm -hmm. uh, Maximus, Streetwise, um, Slugslinger, Wingspan, Nightstick, um, and then we have Frank Welker. Carrying the water. <laughs> 19 characters in this. He's Megatron. He's Soundwave, which Soundwave was kind of uh, auto-tuned. Mm -hmm. You know, he really sounded robotic. Yeah. Um, Ravage, Rumble, Mirage, Trailbreaker, uh, Pinpointer, Teletron. He was the voice of the computer. Uh, just, I mean, 19 characters. Yeah. Frank Welker did in this. Well, and then and, and the voice of Megatron, when you listen to it, I mean, you mentioned Soundwave. I mean, he he did this kind of deep, very as he said, he called it his very white voice, is very yeah. deep, and then very. they did like the computer um, sound over the top of it to make it sound artificial. Yeah. When you listen to Megatron, Megatron also sounds like they did something to it, and they didn't. They, no, it's it's, it's it's he he has this way of making it sound like there's four voices coming out of his mouth at the same right. time. And it's like that, surround sound. Yeah, and that's what the Megatron voice is. He somehow found it to, and it's it's, it's incredible. Uh huh. And I mean, he can just he, and he can pull how it he out. can do that. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. But yeah, it was un unbelievable. That's why he's got 19 roles and basically right. in every cartoon that you've ever seen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or at least tied to someone who was in that cartoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Peter Cullen and Frank Walker, I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that for voice actors. Mm. Unless you get Casey Kasem. <laughs> Two, Casey Kasem was Blue Streak, um, Dr. Archival, the human, um, Cliff Jumper, and Braun. Um, and then why don't we get Don Messick, too? Why not? Yeah, we'll get Don Messick. He's a gear, ratchet, scavenger. Um, Dan Gilvesan played Bumblebee. Uh, Victor Caroli um, was the narrator, you know, next time on Transformers. Mm -hmm. um, he was also robotics. He was in Thundercats, in Hot Wheels, and My Little Pony. No. Oh. <laughs> Which of all these, you know. As you would expect. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. All these deep macho characters. And he's also in My Little Pony. Um, 
Corey Burton uh, from Disney did a lot of Disney voices. He's Count Dooku in the Clone Wars now. He's a great voice. Yeah, it's so recognizable and so cool. Um, he was Sunstreaker. Uh, Chris Latta is Starscream. Starscream had that kind of high-pitched, almost whiny voice. Mm. Like, everything he said was a complaint. Um, you know, and in the series, he's always complaining about Megatron, and every chance he gets, he's trying to usurp Megatron. Yeah. Um, and he does a great job. Well, and his voice is, yeah, anybody who's a kid at that time also knows him immediately as Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe. Exactly. Yeah. And same attitude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, very well done with those guys. Um Alan Oppenheimer was Warpath. He is also Skeletor nice. and He-Man. So we've got an all-star mm-hmm. cast here. And then in the movie, um, Hot Rod and Rodimus Prime is Judd Nelson, who's like a legitimate Hollywood actor, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to do voices now. They also get Leonard Nimoy yeah. um, to be Galvatron. Um, Brad Garrett, who plays Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. in Rock and Wrestling, um, is Trypticon. And then uh, we mentioned Scott Mann Crothers is jazz. Um, he did all kinds of things. The Aristocrats, Harlem Globetrotters, mm-hmm. Hong Kong Fooey. Plus he's Scott Mann Crothers, yeah. which <laughs> doesn't get cooler than that, you know. Um, and then the planet robot in uh, the movie, kind of the... the Unicron. Unicron um, was Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. And it, Orson Welles wrote War of the Worlds, yeah. which he plays a world... At war <laughs> in the movie, which is just awesome. And he is, uh, this is also his last role. Yes. I mean, he, he died before the actual movie. I think only, was it at least uh, days or weeks after he finished recording his part, he was he, he unfortunately passed away. Yeah, and then they gave him a pretty high billing mm-hmm. in the movie credits, and he wasn't really a huge character in the movie. He was an important character, but he wasn't there a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of cool that they gave him um, some top billing in the movie. Yeah. And, um, unfortunately, we didn't get Orson Welles after that. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. but And, and one just to bring uh, bring back uh, Frank Walker and tie him to the movie a little bit. So, he obviously was the voice of Megatron into the, in the movie. And then Megatron in the movie is no longer Megatron. He gets transformed into Galvatron yep. by Unicron. There's yeah. lots of, lot of ons in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so Galvatron's voice is Leonard Nimoy in the movie, but Leonard Nimoy is obviously not going to carry forward in the animated series. Right. Um, Walker comes back and just, of course, being Frank Walker, he's like, all right, I'll just be I'll Galvatron. Be, then. I'll be Leonard Nimoy being Galvatron. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually, I mean, and he actually obviously put his own his own spin on it. Um, but he pulls it off. And, oh, he does an amazing job yeah. with it. And. And one other story too, kind of going back to Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, is they were both in the studio to record the movie, and they're kind of standing in the studio, and Cullen's kind of looking through his pages, and he gets to page seventeen, and suddenly he doesn't see. He kind of keeps going, and he doesn't see his Optimus Prime anymore, and he's like, "Wait!" It's all the way to the end, and he looks at Frank Welker, he's like, "Do I die?" <laughs> <laughs> he was just as shocked as the rest of us. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he. He expected, I mean, it's Optimus Prime. He's going to be there to the end. No, 17 pages into the script, he's gone. Gone. Yeah. And it happens it. early in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes in and, and that's it. Yeah. And then you've got another course, hour the, to be terrified. And, and we listed all the other voices that he was, other characters he voiced stuff, and almost all of them are wiped out. Yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like I'm out of a job. What's going on here? So yeah, clearly a ton of voice talent in these um, cartoons, which mm-hmm. is super cool and, and why I really enjoyed it as an adult. You know, as a kid, I enjoyed it because they were really cool robots that turned into stuff. Yeah. Um, but as an adult, recognizing the talent of these voice actors and how many different voices they did. You know, as a kid, you don't recognize right. Oh, that's, there's all different people. Well, no, it's one really talented guy doing 20 voices. Um, and then he's doing the voice of someone else doing the voice, yeah. you know. Um, just, it's fascinating to me. Um, but, you know, there were stark differences between all of the the series, all four series um, or seasons. 98 episodes and a movie in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that the way they set up the backstory in the first trilogy, the more than meets the eye trilogy was awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really, you can tell they brought in um, the writers who knew how to write a story, right? You know, they were, yeah, we're going to sell toys, but we want a story story first story first. And it's clear um, in transformers that they really spent time. And this origin story makes mm-hmm. sense and carries through to this day, mm-hmm. you know, you know who the good guys are and you know who the bad guys are and you know why they hate each other. Right. They established that right away. Yeah, within uh, the first with the first five, ten minutes, I mean, they they go through you you step into the middle of this war. Yeah. Um, they you see how they interact, how they end up crash landing on Earth, and I mean everything is up and running really quickly. My only quibble is yeah. the fact that they crash land on Earth and then four million years go by. Four million, yes. Why? I don't know. Why is it four million years? It's so weird. Because, so when, right before they, they disappear on Earth, there's Shockwave, the kind of the second in command for the Decepticons. Yeah. Megatron it's like the military them, hey, intelligence. We're going to go take, we're, hey, they're going, we're going to wipe them out. We'll be right back. Right. Yeah. And they disappear for four million years. Yeah. And eventually they, they're reanimated on Earth and Megatron has no problem reaching back out to Cybertron. And yeah. immediately there's Shockwave. Yeah. What's he been doing for four million years? <laughs> Just sitting there. With, he doesn't even answer and go, <laughs> hey, new phone, who is this? <laughs> it's like, Megatron, Megatron, you're alive. It's like, yes, Megatron. <laughs> He just power down. Yeah, he just like chilled for. <laughs> it's like in Star Wars when they stopped thinking of things for C three PO to say. He's like, Master, I'll just shut down for a while. <laughs> Turns himself off. Maybe that's what he did just for four million years. He's like, eh, he'll wake me up when I'm ready. But but when I'm the, needed. But remember the the key the key the crux of this whole battle is that look the planet has been going. They've been raging war waging war for millions of years already. And we're running out of energy. Yeah, the planet is falling apart, and nobody has any energy. But they can wait and, around. And, but so they sit around in stasis for four million years while, while these small groups of Decepticons and Autobots. It's not like the full armies are there. It's like these small Just pockets two, of them. two yeah. small bands, couple platoons, going off to Earth. Yeah, and they're everything apparently is is exactly as it was when they left it four million years ago. <laughs> the only thing I could think of. I have two theories on this. One is one of the writers goes, wouldn't it be funny if they were under that volcano for four million years? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other part of me is like and somebody didn't hear the joke. Yeah. Someone did say, <laughs> yeah, that, that went over your head because you went ahead and did it. Um, and the other thing, I just, I just, I don't know why they. The only thing I could think of is that you know, if they, if they made it like 
what they crashed and maybe 10 years go by somebody would have seen that seen this big ship crash seen the crash her. yeah so maybe, maybe yeah maybe they said oh four million years went by so there were no humans to recognize that there mm-hmm. was a big crash yeah but but they could have even even if it's 50 years yeah i mean why four million years <laughs> it seems a bit extreme yes but well yeah. and it's and it's it's funny because they they do a really good job that point aside really setting it up and, and getting you up and running and it's not hard to understand what's going on right yeah and, and again, it's easy it's, to figure out it's and, and what surprised me walking as an adult going back and watching it is how dominant the decepticons were well yeah i mean it wasn't like they're really equal footing no the no. decepticons were whooping some butt right because the decepticons turned into weapons yeah they turned into fighter jets and uh gun and cannons and tanks mm-hmm. and the autobots turned into a volkswagen beetle <laughs> and a semi-truck who could magically summon his trailer whenever he needed it. And sports cars. Yeah. You know, so you see a Lamborghini cruising through the rocky (laughs) desert or whatever and worried about his paint job. Oh, there's a war machine. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And I I think you mentioned it before we started recording how the Decepticons should have been cleaning up. Mm Mm-hmm. But Starscream kept screwing it up because <laughs> he wanted to be in charge and he would just ruin everything. And Megatron would get so frustrated with him, but then wouldn't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, they keep talking about how great of a leader Megatron is. They all respect everybody. Yeah, wait till Megatron gets here yeah, and you're in trouble. Yeah, Starscream doesn't respect him, but everybody else does. They fall yeah. in line immediately. But you know, if he's a great leader, he he deals with that issue. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. Like, either like, you get out of here. And, and, and no, he just keeps him as his second in command. Right, yeah. Like... How great is Starscream that, like, I'll put up with your uh, constant, constant <laughs> efforts, efforts to overthrow me and kill me. Right. Well, in the movie, he tries to kill Megatron. Yeah. Starscream sees that Megatron is injured. He all but does. Yeah. He convinces the rest of them that, hey, we need to cut weight or we're not going to have enough power to get back to Cybertron. So let's get rid of the dead weight. Anyone who's dead or injured, let's throw them over. We're going to space them. We're going to throw them off the ship. So he grabs... Megatron and Megatron's like, I still function. And Starscream's like, well, too bad. See ya. <laughs> it's like the Monty Python. I'm not dead. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be stone dead in a moment. <laughs> Bring up your dead. Strikes and just throws him on anyone. <laughs> and just throws him into space. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and then they come back and they're friends again. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. It's, well, of course, in the, in the movie... He turns into Galvatron. Galvatron. Yeah, he, he's Stone Cold just murders yeah. Starscream. He's like, yeah, enough of this. Shows up and <laughs> points his gun at Starscream and Starscream's disintegrated. Yeah, we're not on TV anymore, buddy. No, I, yeah. can, I can take you out. This is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've killed everybody else. Why not kill you too? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Which was, to me, was honestly as shocking as Optimus's death. It's like, well, he's a very main character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Starscream does a lot. To the story. And yeah. he's a central character in almost everything. He's like the antagonist antagonist. Mm-hmm. And he's gone. Yeah. And the main guy is someone different now. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's interesting how, how it, it shifts so quickly between season two and season three. But yeah, the one thing that, that kind of stands out to me, too, is when you read the comic book, I mean, obviously... The cartoons were created separately from the comic book, but you know Shockwave in the in the TV show, he's just kind of there and he he answers the phones. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's Megatron the communications calls, yes, guy. Megatron. Yeah, <laughs> and like it will be ready for you. And 
in the in the comic book, he's he's tough. Yeah, he he's is. he's kind of you know, there's much more going on in Cybertron. You're seeing more, and he is he is essentially the de facto leader. Yeah, you Megatron's almost get the feeling around. he's the puppet master. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, and he is. It, it really is a different story. And it's it's really well done. If you ever you know, I know Marvel has collected some of those you know that series. Yeah. And, and if you get a chance to read them, they're actually really well done. They're distinctly different from the TV show, though. Yeah. And again, because they're not they're telling one overarching story. They're not just setting up and now let's sell some toys. Yeah. It's one but, arc. Yeah. 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 And then season three, very different from season mm-hmm. one or season two. Lots of new characters to learn, different stories, lots of different space travel. Um, but it, season three ends with the return of Optimus, mm-hmm. season 29 and 30. And to me, I wish they would have just stopped mm-hmm. there. Season four, three yeah, episodes is like, uh, it's worthless. And I tried doing the math. I'm like, were they terrible. just trying to get into syndication? But no, yeah. they already were. No. And they, they went to 98 episodes. You know, could they have pumped out two more, made it an even hundred? I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, it's almost like a half-hearted effort to like. Well, maybe we can sell more more of these toys. Yeah, we'll try. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. seem like anybody's hearts in it. But no, when I went back to to watch these again as an adult, I don't really remember much of season three. Watching much of season three, and I definitely don't remember season four. Yeah. When I go back and look at them, I'm like, oh, that's probably because I didn't really watch them as a kid because I didn't really like them. It really was distinctly different. It would have been a little better. Again, they they add the quint, the, the quintessons mm-hmm. who they show them to be actually the creators of the of the, the Transformer race. Did they, they remind you of the Borg? Yeah, a yeah, little bit. They yeah. kind of reminded me of the Borg <laughs> in Star Trek. But they're they're more like the puppet masters. They're yeah. not like. The Decepticons, where they're just like it is just brute force, and it's right. just like every time they you interact, it's battles. But yeah, Megatron was a blunt instrument. Yeah, yeah. but but that whole kind of behind the scenes puppet master thing, it it didn't really work that well. It, it you know, they, none of them, none of those stories really felt true, and and it's so often it's like okay, here's two, here's a Decepticon and an Autobot with an uneasy alliance. Yeah, and as soon as it ends, like well, we know we're not going to like each other again, but we'll we'll leave now. Right, and. And they tried to do the whole the enemy of my enemy is yeah. my friend and 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 yeah. the Decepticons are they're so decimated that they don't feel like a real threat. No, they're just like you know they're they're constantly just like you know behind the eight ball and everything. And and Galvatron is so crazy. <laughs> like he's not just like he's evil. He's just he's he's mad and scary. And they yeah. actually they they dedicate an episode to it. Yeah, where they're like his second in command. This is how mad he is! His second in command is like, oh yeah, we got to deal with this guy because <laughs> this isn't going well. He's going off the deep end. <laughs> and and to and to their credit, they, they obviously they, they they built around that and they kind of fix him a little bit. He kind of gets his head on more straight, and he's, he's yeah. more of a threat. But again, they're they're not really much of any. They're not much of a problem yeah. for the Autobots, and there's. Um, and when you have that third thread of the quintesson, they just jump around so much. Yeah. And again, they're still trying to sell new toys. So they, and, and every toy is bigger than the last. Right. So they have uh, Triptychon mm-hmm. and like any like what the Autobot who's a city getting bigger like Triptychon, and it's just kind of trying to one up themselves, and it gets to the point where it's just it's just kind of silly. Where at one point the biggest thing is like, oh, we have five construction vehicles and they go together to form this giant the devastator and it's right. really cool that the, the constructicons become the, and now it's just well here's a city 
Uh, he's, he transforms. Like, well, how do you, how do, how does he, how does he manage that when other transformers are inside him? He's like, all right, I got I got I got I to use a can. You guys got to get out. Yeah, transforming that I out. Move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm cramping up. You got to move. It's like, I got to stretch. I've been a city too long. <laughs> and it's yeah. Some of them it's just like they were like the Omega Supreme toy. Mm-hmm. Was super cool because yeah. it was big and it did neat stuff. But well, and they, it had like a little car that went on a track and yeah. had a rocket. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was big. It was cool, but the character on the show was like, "Oh, this guy sucks." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I, such I, a cool toy, but will, he's so bad. But I will say that I thought that they had that one episode dedicated to him that they they explained why he sucked, <laughs> 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 where he was he was actually. A good soldier on Cybertron. He gets betrayed. He's friends with the with the with the Constructicons, who are not really Decepticons, as far as he knows. They yeah. kind of go like a, a double agent, and mm-hmm. they fool him, and you know, basically, whatever bad stuff happens on Omega Supreme's watch. Yeah, it, right. Directly because of them, and he basically becomes a heartless automaton yeah. bent on destroying them. Sure. And he's only there because he's going to take them out. He's got PTSD. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's just there to take out the, the, the Constructicons and that's it. Right. And, yeah, it's it's actually an interesting episode because it's like Optimus Prime. He's like, yeah, yeah forget you Optimus Prime. And Optimus Prime. I'm like, eh, wait a wait. second. Wait a <laughs> I mean, just again. Don't one, do that again. And really shows, again, a, a, such a why the Optimus Prime character resonated so well because he just takes this difficult situation and he works his, his works soldier it through it. Yeah. And by the end, he's like, okay, I appreciate you talking to me about it. And yeah. We'll, and it's, and then they kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Optimus Prime, that is. Yeah. I don't know what ever happened to Omega Supreme. He just disappeared. He just stopped. Yeah. I assume he's died and he's dead because they killed everybody else. But sure. yeah, they or weren't selling that toy anymore. So. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was always amazed because when I was a kid, I didn't want the bad guy toy I, I just didn't i mean some kids wanted the bad guy so the good guy could beat him up or yeah. whatever i just didn't want the bad guys in gi joe or transformers i didn't want the bad guy so but they sold a lot of the bad guy toys mm-hmm. and i think it's because the stories were cool yeah well and i one of my favorites was Soundwave, the guy who was a tape recorder yeah but he, he had the so little robots cool. that Turned into the cassettes yeah. that would go into him. Yeah, he had the cool voice. He was actually just like he was. Like, he had a cool look, and of course, at that time, tape recorders. You know, when you're a kid, that was a cool thing. Right I mean, now, nobody knows what they are. No, but it, just everything about that toy was cool. I yeah. loved it, and that was actually always one of my favorites. What's the one I wanted more than anything was yeah. Soundwave, and yeah, I, for the for the most part, I didn't care about a lot of the bad guys. You just kind of like you know, you want the good guys because they're your favorites, and, right? Um, but you need somebody for your toys to be up. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> can only steal so many Barbies. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> See, I need a few strawberry shortcakes. And <laughs> I'll, take a, I'll take a Rainbow Bright. Yeah, and, I uh, need someone for Ironhide to run over. <laughs> and give me that in my little pony. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll make this work. Yeah, I um, I enjoyed Transformers as a as a kid and I enjoy them now and I enjoyed playing Transformers with my son um, with you know the Gen 2 um, robots the um, Armada those things that came out uh, early 2000s mm-hmm. so they're still relevant toys they're still on the shelves and they're still um, watching the cartoons they're mm-hmm. still producing movies so 
it's had a long life and it's still going. Yeah. Um, And it's because they set up the story so well. Yeah. You know, if they had just jumped into it, I I don't think it would have lasted. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that is so well thought out. And, um, and it's amazing actually how, how long it's lasted when you look at the way this initial series went, like those first two seasons were huge and season three and four, when they just go ahead and just, flip it and go in some different direction right it's not as successful it's it, yeah. it didn't work as well but it again, yeah, as you said it, it speaks to how well written and how well thought out that initial story was yeah but i do have one question why do like it seems like and i and i know that they're always searching for for energy yeah but why is it that every human they come across just wears, you know, the khaki shirt, the jeans, and a hard hat? <laughs> right. <laughs> other, other than, like, the handful of humans that actually, like, are good and help the Autobots. Or then, like, the crazy doctor guy. Yeah. Um, but they're they're all construction workers. Right. Every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> all the only... dressed identical, no matter where on the globe they are. Right. Yeah, they're all wearing the same thing. <laughs> the only thing I could think of is they were all utility workers. <laughs> and they were always around energy sources. Yeah. And maybe that's why... But yeah, I didn't. What I didn't get about the the robots, why did they transform? They weren't hiding from anybody. The Decepticons that turned into weapons, okay, that's useful. Yeah. Um, But to turn into a car and drive someplace, okay. But then they also just in the robot form can just fly through the sky. Until well, at one point they, they conveniently just, just change that. They just stop flying. <laughs> yeah, when in the first that first arc in season one, the first five episodes, they all can fly. Yeah. And then, and then they, they just, just the Autobots just stop flying. The Decepticons right. never stop flying. Whether they they turn into jets or not, they can all fly in the robot form or yeah. in their, their vehicle form. Right. But the Autobots apparently just like after episode five, like, eh, uh, who needs it? Yeah. I'm going to turn it into... just want to enjoy the open road. Yeah. I want to turn into a Lamborghini and just cruise. <laughs> um, Sunstreaker was one of my favorites just because a yellow Lamborghini was awesome. And my brother had a, my brother had the Sunstreaker mm-hmm. toy, which was the yellow Lamborghini. The whole flying and the not flying was just kind of weird. And, you know, robots yeah. in disguise, but they weren't really hiding from anybody because there were only six or seven humans around anyways. And yeah. they all got it. They knew what they were and... Yeah, basically Soundwave was the only one who actually was in disguise because he was actually like their... He could hide. He was, he was doing espionage. Yeah, he was their spy. Yeah. That made sense to yeah. me. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, nobody's really in, in disguise. But yeah. Yeah. So what do you say we talk about our good, bad, and ugly? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think we've, we've touched on biggest part of the good, which is the story. I mean, yeah. It, for a story that was built to sell toys, mm-hmm. uh, and this is really fantastic, and it, it, it was, you know... It, it tied to Hasbro's approach, which is, you know, leave, leave the storytelling to the experts. Right. Let them do what they do best. We What we do best is sell toys. So let them kind of really do the, do the hard work. Right. And then we'll build on that and let those creators at Marvel Comics, who know storytelling like the back of their hand, let them create these great character backgrounds. Let them come up with their motivations, with the conflict, and... We're going to ride that. Yeah. And they did a fantastic job with it. Right. Yeah. I I mean, for me, it was their goal was to sell toys and they did that. Mm -hmm. But they did it with good writing and phenomenal actors. Absolutely. I mean, they got the who's who Mm -hmm. of voice actors in this. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Imagine this show without 
Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime and Frank Welker as Megatron. Uh, I can't. Yeah, it's, it's not the same. It's color. not at all. Yeah. It wouldn't even be close because <laughs> um, they'd have to find 18 other voices, <laughs> not just replace those two because you can't find the, somebody who's going to do 20 voices. They wouldn't have the budget for it. No, no. You can come, but there's no benefits. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you can come, but you're not going to get paid or whatever. Yeah, no, they did a great job of laying the groundwork for it. And for making, sure. And, and really establishing a, a fantastic story. Yeah, and it was character-driven, mm -hmm. too, because the story was always the same. Yeah. Good guys, bad guys, fighting over energy. Mm -hmm. um, we both need energy, but we don't like how you're getting the energy, yeah. so we're going to stop you. But you have all these characters, and they flesh out. You get to know every one of them. Mm -hmm. or of course, I mean, granted, you've got 65 <laughs> episodes to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can really get to know all these characters. Yeah. Uh, the bad, for me, the animation was less than great. Yeah. I thought they reused a lot of scenes. And in some of those scenes, the robots were different colors. Um, they were different sizes yeah. at some points. Um, so I think they just kind of rushed that and made a lot of mistakes because they're like, we got to get a new toy out. We got to get the new toy out. We need to introduce this character. Yeah, so the scale and the colors of the robots changed a lot. So for me, the animation was was disappointing in some parts yeah it, the animation was not was not the best but uh, by any means and uh I, I think the the biggest thing for me is just that complete roster overhaul between season two and season three yep. based on that movie i mean it's that's where it's almost like the the money became too much and it overpowered the story it overpowered that cohesive narrative that basically what what the kids loved about these these characters they're just like yeah whatever Here, here's some new characters go buy their toys and, yeah exactly. and it's just it's basically like slapping these kids and you know obviously traumatizing them sure. and making them hide in their closets for weeks yeah but um i mean that was the biggest thing that and it's bad it's a bad <laughs> shift yeah it's a bad shift to go from that you know to flip that series midway through and i mean it was it's hard to care about any of those characters in season three. Right. Um, especially when, you know, the guy you, you should be caring about the most, Rodimus Prime, is just so... Wishy-washy. He's, he's so naval, he's just navel-gazing the whole time. But like, well, maybe I don't know why he picked me to be his replacement. Yeah. Um, and it didn't make sense why the Autobots even gave the time of day to the Decepticons who are essentially dying off. And if they're not paying attention to them, they would. Right. And then season four, no. No, yeah, Just no. <laughs> um, but and, and yeah, your your point on the animation too. The animation struggled at points, and and, and I think it struggled really season three, season four, and yeah. and, and actually something um, that I that I, forget, I didn't touch on when we were talking about the history is that the animation studio actually changed from oh, season that makes two sense. to season three. So yeah. at that point, um, Toei, who had been doing the animation, was taking on more of the production, and they're kind of like, all right, we're kind of getting overloaded. Yeah. And they actually handed off the animation to um, ACOM, which is a South Korean animation studio for season three and season four. So you can you can note, you I mean, can there, see it. There's yeah. a there's a big change. I mean, it, it looks like it goes from a slightly anime look to a much more pronounced anime look in yeah. season three. It doesn't match up. Yeah, yeah. And it's and yeah, I mean, when you're already struggling with with um, yeah, an uncomfortable shift in the tone and in the series mm -hmm. and wiping out characters, it, it's even more jarring. Wiping out popular characters. Yeah, yeah. well, that leads me into my uh, ugly, uh, was just the wanton abandon of poor selling toys. <laughs> that they would literally, there were deaths, 
They killed characters off, um, and it was scary. Mm-hmm. I think I was 12 when I saw that movie. You know, when you're 12, you think you know everything. Mm-hmm. But I remember that being a scary movie yeah. for me. And that's my ugly is that they scared kids. Yeah, how you're going to do your audience that way is... Yeah. yeah. It's like you, you're totally a pain. You don't care what the audience thinks and the characters the audience loves because you want to sell different things. Right. And that to me was awful. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty brutal yeah. experience. <laughs> so definitely ugly for me. Yeah. And to me, the, some of the, the ugly ties into the no, the, the lack of forethought for any female characters, human or robot. Right. I mean, they, they shoehorn them in later. Yeah. But it feels shoehorned. It doesn't feel like yeah, it's Yeah, it's obviously and, that. And there's so few of them that it's even like, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, it's just, And they have know, no bearing on the story. No, they're just token yeah. characters. Yeah. And in that same vein, the, there's only one time, and for the mid-80s, it's actually not too bad. It's because it's one episode. But one episode where in season three where we're on planet Earth and there's the Decepticons there's this guy in the Middle East who's kind of like a caricature of like a sheik yeah. who only, you know, like, oh, my camels and this right. and that. And like, you know, I rule over this land and this and that. And he teams up with these Decepticons to steal monuments around the globe. And it's sure. just such a caricature yeah. that it's, um, you know, and, and even for it, the stereotype is fairly mild. Mm-hmm. And it's not, especially not uncommon from the 80s. Yeah. I mean, you see that like in Indiana Jones movies and yep. things like that. But it's still there. And it's like, as we look back on it now, I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that, that, that shouldn't, they shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably would not do that now. Now, yeah. But um, yeah, with that, with that good, bad, and the ugly, what's a. Uh, Scale of one to ten, where do you put the Transformers? You know, I I had a hard time with this one because to me it seemed like two entirely different cartoons. Mm-hmm. There was a one and two, and then the movie changes everything through season three. They bring Optimus Prime back because of pressure from their audience, and then they kind of mail in season four with a couple of episodes. So. I'd give the first two series like an eight Mm -hmm. and then the movie three and four like a three. So if I average those together, I'm, I'm I'm still going to stay with five. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'll probably regret that, but I just, (laughs) I just think it's the, there's enough wrong with that second part that it brings down the first. I am 100% with you. Um, I, I would clock in at a six. I'm a little higher mm-hmm. because I think the uh, that first season particularly, but the first two seasons yeah. uh, overall are so strong and right. so interesting and re and rewatchable. Yeah, I mean, even when the, I mean, there's 65 episodes and the voice actors, yeah, are amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and there's 65 episodes. I mean, not everyone, you know, they're not yeah. all going to be diamonds, but yeah, you know, for the right. most part. That's actually really well done in terms of the storytelling and and just being enter- good entertainment. Yeah, season three is. I I, I fought through that one. <laughs> I, I really I wanted to like it, and like I said, I didn't really remember it. Kind of looking back at it's it, because it's not memorable. Yeah, and it's not memorable. And I and I'm sure as a kid, I probably just didn't watch it. I'm like, I don't like this. I, you know, the characters I like aren't there anymore. I don't. I there's no real investment with the, those other characters, and I just didn't care. Yeah. Um, 
and as I yeah, as I watch it, I'm like, I don't really want to keep watching this. I don't like it. Yeah. What times G.I. Joe come on? Yeah. And then season four, like I said, you, you hit on it. It didn't it just didn't need to exist. No. Um it was it was pointless and um that drags it down. So I mean if, if I'm if I'm breaking it in that halfway point, I'm probably up around a nine because I was so impressed with the storytelling yeah. that as again, looking back as an adult, like I I didn't remember the complexity. But sure. the complexity, but how simply they they laid it all out. I mean, there's a yeah. whole lot of kind of, there's a whole lot that's dense, but they put it out there very easy to understand, and I was really impressed. Yeah, and right from the beginning, yeah. Um, and then, but yeah. season three and four are so bad, right? That it it drags it down down to yeah. six for me. Yeah, yeah. I was at eight and three, which yeah. is five, and you were at nine and three, which gives you a six. Yeah, I, yeah. I wanted I wanted it. Yeah. I wanted to like it. <laughs> We should have just but, stopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't watch that many episodes. Where we're just gonna stop at six. We're gonna stop. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well. Cool. Um, definitely down memory lane. Yeah. There for sure. So uh, what's up next? Oh, we're gonna do a change of pace. We're gonna go uh, back to the seventies, the early seventies, and we're going to tuck the violence and gunplay away, and yeah. we're gonna kind of look into the the brady kids some of the wholesome kids of our youth yeah it'll be yeah. interesting to see what the show's like yeah so a cartoon made off of a popular tv show yeah okay well cool well, i'll look forward to that well i hear mom i think it's time for uh for us to go outside so that means cartoon time is over i'm john i'm robert and this is toon talk hey thanks for listening if you want more toon talk you can find us on twitter at Toon Talk Guys. Or if you've got questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at toontalkguys at gmail.com.